0: Well, welcome. welcome. Welcome to the
1: show. Welcome. Yeah. Okay. Excited to be here. So we have today our friend Kevin from GSL or Suppressors. Technology.
0: And Can't you read the it's I'm right sorry. there.
1: Sorry. <laughs> okay. Kevin is from GSL Technology. And they do quiet stuff. All the cool stuff. So uh Kevin, let's start with your background, kind of how you got in with the company, what you do there, what the company is all about. Tell a little brief story. Awesome. Um,
2: well, hey, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm excited. Right? <laughs> it's very humbling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so GSL is not a new company. Right? They've existed since 1985 doing suppressors. And prior to that, they did aerospace machining, Right? worked with a lot of titanium and Inconel already. And they built a couple components that are still on the moon. You know, I mean, so they've been, (laughs) you know, they're not, they're not a new company at all. Right. Um, In 1985, they started doing manufacturing. They linked up with Gemtech and they did all the production for Gemtech prior to 2016 when Smith and Wesson purchased them. Right. So every Gemtech suppressor with, you know, 2016 or earlier on it was built by GSL's facility in Michigan. Right. Which is pretty cool. They're located in Jackson, Michigan. Uh, just west of Ann Arbor, right, not far from Detroit. And, yeah, absolutely cool company. As far as myself, I mean, I grew up in Auburn and Fort Wayne, Indiana. I joined the military at 17, have been enlisted (laughs) since 2005 now, and so that's exciting stuff. And my advisor linked me up with GSL at one point and said, hey, I think you should look at a sales role with this company. And I was like, you know, I don't do sales. I am an IT guy. I do telecommunications and Cisco work and iOS and um, a lot of nerd stuff, right? And I turned him down. I was like, no, I'm not interested in a sales role. And then things kind of accelerated because I ended up getting a couple suppressors. (laughs) (laughs) And... I, uh, I got a 9 mil can and I got a 223 dedicated can. And they asked me a second time and they're like, hey, what do you think about this sales role? And I was like filling out the form fours and the paperwork and the background and everything. And I was like, no, man, I don't think so. I'm not interested in sales. And my form fours start pending, right? And I'm waiting and I flew up to Michigan and met with uh, their facility and shot at all the different suppressors had a blast, got (laughs) addicted. And I was like, okay, fine. (laughs) Send me the case. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is obviously not my first case. I've had a couple of them. Uh, My first one I had maybe five or six different models and I started linking up with dealers and law enforcement agencies and um, did really well in sales. And I realized that a lot of sales is conveying information. Right? And so working with IT, I mean, that's that's what you're doing as well. You're getting information from one place to another. And so I'm like, man, I can, I can really leverage a lot of the skills I've already developed and got into sales. And I'm like, okay, fine. Let's do it. <laughs>
0: so how is it, you know, Michigan is not an easy gun state. Um, and... It's, it's not the worst either. So how is it being a suppressor company in Michigan right now?
2: Well, um, there's a lot of 2A-friendly companies up in Michigan, right? Eotech's up there. TriggerCon's up there. Or Trigicon. Yeah. Not TriggerCon. Right. <laughs> um, Leapers. Uh, Great Lakes. There's several 2A companies up there. The government... And the governor of Michigan is not super friendly to the 2A, eh? but, I mean, I'm sure that they are probably okay when uh, we're cashing those sales checks and taxes and, you know, infusing the, the state with jobs and income, right? They're probably okay with that part of it. Um, but uh, I've never actually lived in Michigan, believe it or not. I, I travel quite a bit with GSL. I currently live in Augusta, Georgia, And I've been down there since 2014 doing work with the military and communications and IT work. And I've really only been to GSL's facility maybe four or five times. Wow. (laughs) Which is funny, you know. Um, A lot of my work is remote. You know, go into NRA and SHOT Show and Trigger Con and Gunstock and all these different events around the country and getting in front of SOT dealers and getting in front of our target customer base, you know. So, yeah, having never been a Michigan citizen, it hasn't been a huge <laughs> impact <laughs> on me personally. But
1: definitely interesting, yeah. So... We've got a lot of people who are interested in suppressors. We know that, you know, we're trying to get some legislation passed to make it easier. But right now, what is the process for those who may not know of getting a suppressor?
2: So suppressors are completely legal, right? They have been. They always have been. right? A lot of people have this misconception that they're illegal to own or that they're for assassins or that they're only helpful for military or law enforcement. Right, it's not accurate at all, you know. Um, getting a suppressor is only slightly more difficult than getting a handgun, right? Um, there's additional background checks and screening and the ATF. Take the copy of your fingerprints and they take a passport photo of you and they will they assign a suppressor to a person, right? And they're not transferable like a handgun would be right? If I buy a handgun and I don't like it, I can sell it to someone else that's not a felon, right? I can sell it to uh, a friend for cash right now, right? In most states. A suppressor, you cannot do that, right? You cannot loan it to someone to take to the range themselves. You cannot sell it for cash at all, right? The government wants to know every single time that it changes hands. And so that's interesting, right? It's a more advanced degree of accountability, I suppose. Right? Because they've lumped suppressors in with machine guns. Like somehow a suppressor is just as dangerous as a machine gun. And paying a two hundred dollar tax and uh registering it somehow makes it less dangerous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it that it's good that you brought up that you can't like person to person sell it. So if you were to Buy a suppressor and you go, I don't need it anymore. How would you go about getting rid of it if you don't need it or don't like it? Um, it's possible you could destroy it, right, and
2: send a notice of destruction to the ATF and say, hey, this serial number has been destroyed, right? You crush it, you, you know, mash it beyond recognition. <laughs> um, you could bring it to your FFL and you could consign it to them and sell it to them, pay another $200 to transfer it to them. <laughs> wow. And every time it changes hands, you know, um, it's a strange phenomenon, but you could consign it and then have someone else purchase it, I suppose. But a suppressor though is kind of a lifetime commitment. You know, it's not, it's not something that you buy and sell and buy and sell like an AR-15 or a pistol even, you know? um, As far as the process of getting one, I mean, you go to your FFL and you say, hey, I want to get XYZ suppressor for, you know, whatever weapon platform. And they do um, form four, right? They'll do a background check, goes to the ATF with the fingerprints, passport photos and the $200 payment to the ATF. And then the ATF sandbags the rest of the process for two to 13 months. (laughs) And then once you get that blessing, um, the approval comes back to the FFL and they say, hey, this guy can have this suppressor now. And you do another 4473 to take it home. After having just completed that background check and the fingerprints and everything, you still have to do a 4473 and then you can own it. And then there's no annual fee. There's no license. There's no class three license that you have to have in order to own a suppressor. You can personally own one, you know, on that Form 4, that 4473. And if you live in, you know, Georgia and Florida and Tennessee and most of the 2A-friendly uh, the states, you're good to go. As soon as you move to Illinois or New York, you are in trouble because you cannot bring that suppressor with you, even if you already legally own it in South Carolina, right? Which is strange.
1: <laughs> what? What? <clears throat> When it comes to suppressor ownership, and uh, you know, well, let me go. Let's go this route first, and then I w- I'll do the follow up question. If I want to buy a suppressor, can I go to any FFL, or do, is there specific FFLs I have to go to to purchase a suppressor? If you
2: want to buy a suppressor,
1: you give me a call. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, there are certain. FFLs that pay an additional tax, right? The SOT is what it's called, the Special Occupational Tax. And those dealers are able to process NFA items, suppressors, SBRs, whatever. Okay? So it's not every FFL in the country that can also sell or process suppressors for you. And yeah. 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 Once they pay that special SOT, that special occupational tax, they're able to do all of those transfers.
1: Now, now that we've got that out of the way, um, what are some of the biggest myths about suppressor ownership and buying a suppressor? And you probably have heard them all. You've been to shows. Someone's like, well, it's illegal or I need a class three license or I need this or I need that. What are the top, top five or top three myths that you've heard that you're like, you, that's just not true?
2: So I actually published an article on this fairly recently. <laughs> it's, uh, it's on our website at gsltechnology.com. It's at the very bottom. It's called, like, the 10 most common myths. And let me see if I can pull up some of them. Um, but, I mean, obviously, myth number nine on there is my favorite, right? <laughs> it's the one that, uh, that people somehow think that you can, that owning a suppressor means that you are subject to inspections that the government can come to your house unannounced, kick down your door, and there it is. Facts versus myths. The 10 most common suppressor myths, right? So on that, on that link, I've got a breakdown of some of the most common myths that I hear. Um, myth number nine, the government can come to your house unannounced for an inspection. I've heard this a lot, right? I've heard this from a lot of people. Even FFLs <laughs> and it's not accurate. Um, our Second Amendment, our Fourth Amendment rights do not get waived just because you own a suppressor, right? No more than they would if you own a handgun. Uh, many think that being on the list right is uh, gonna result in additional screening or additional law enforcement scrutiny, and that's not that's not uh, true either, right Other major myths that I've here that I've heard before is that suppressors have a short lifespan. Okay, that's not true. It used to be when the like the early models in the 1970s and 80s were being developed, they were using uh consumable materials and things that were designed to f- to fail because that's what was available. Um modern machining, right? Almost any manufacturer in the industry is now using CNC machine-jetted cones and, you know, welded components and uh, even the guys that are doing 3D printing, right? There's still durability in suppressors that should outlive your children, right? Um, another common myth is that suppressors impact velocity or make a weapon less accurate, right? And that's pretty common. Um, suppressors are actually incredible for shooting, right? They're great for uh, lowering the sound and the shock and the muzzle flinch, right? And lowering the recoil of the weapon, of course. And so they're going to be easier and safer to shoot and to train new shooters, which is awesome. And they're not going to lower velocity, right? At longer ranges, they actually increase velocity slightly. And because of the additional gas expansion in the barrel, uh, quality suppressor does not make contact with the bullet. And so there's no, there's no, uh, There's no way that it's going to impact the bullet flight path, right? The gas is what's dispersed in a suppressor. Uh, The bullet goes straight through. The gas is slowed down at the barrel and escapes slower, and so it's quieter. And myth, myth. Okay, and another one that I find and hear very often is that suppressors can only go on one weapon, right? That's a really common thing. Suppressors are rated for caliber. Right, they're not rated for a single weapon. So when I register a suppressor for this 22, right, I can put this on any 22, right. I can put it on a you know 17 HMR. I can put it on anything with a threaded barrel that is going to take that pressure. So they're rated based on bore diameter and the pressure that's going to go through them. And so, uh, like a nine millimeter can, you could technically shoot a two two three through it because the bullet's smaller, right? but the pressure on a .223 is so much higher, right? It's a faster bullet that you would not want to shoot a .223 through most 9mm design suppressors. So it's not true that they have to live on one weapon. It's more so true that they are, you know, purpose-built for the caliber that you're going to use them on. And probably just the most common myth that I've ever heard was that they were completely illegal to own. You know, and that's that's not true either. Unless you live in one of those uh one of those banned states. You know, I have a I think I have a map on there too. Right here is an awesome US map that shows all of the states that are still allowing private ownership of suppressors. Um, you know, obviously California, Hawaii, Illinois, New York, Massachusetts, and New Jersey, right, are some of the biggest ones that are <laughs> they're still prohibited. And again, you can't move there and bring your suppressor with you even though you already own it. It's a really strange phenomenon.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about just the differences within the government as far as suppressors are concerned for a minute. Um, One of the things that I have always found interesting is the fact that OSHA endorses the use of a suppressor and yet... States are prohibiting that, um, and like it's it's just kind of those crazy things where you're you're sitting back and you're like, well, how does this work? Like how how is it that they're saying you absolutely need to have this? It protects your hearing. It does all of these great things. Um, yet the states are going, no, not here. Like. That logic doesn't apply. And then, of course, we all know that the NFA is just a massive amount of government overreach and um, has been too long in its reign of um, tyranny.
2: Hashtag repeal the NFA.
0: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Well, the funny part, like, just listening to his myths, you listen to it and it's like, how many of those are affected by... Hollywood, how much laws have we have in place that are affected by Hollywood and video, like, the velocity thing, it's funny that people are bringing that up, because that's like a video game thing, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you put it on, it ruins everything, and it's it's funny how many people just believe these myths over the years that have come through, like, I've heard the, the come to your door, and I'm like, we have a Fourth Amendment for a reason, Right. we have <laughs> yeah. like, this is this is what makes me laugh Is that the, the amount of and it, it, The amount of like Misnomer and like Secrecy around suppressors is like you gotta be part of the cool guy club To get a suppressor or you, you gotta go This it's like no everybody should Have one of these Like this half is mine <laughs> When he leaves I'm just gonna take all these And um But yeah it's just, it's just funny Like the we're still, it's, it's 2023. The NFA came out in 1934. Mm-hmm. We're still believing these myths and these misconceptions over something that is going to protect our hearing or it's going to make us have a, more, a better shooting experience. It's just funny how we still believe these silly little things.
2: Right. Well, to your question about, you know, how is it that... Um, oh, gosh,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you said, uh, you said earlier, how is it that OSHA is endorsing these, right? How is it that all of the science and the data and, you know, the sound metrics are saying that, hey, prolonged exposure to jackhammer or aircraft engines is no good, but if you're shooting. We're going to regulate and tax and fine and, you know, do a background check and all of these things in order to get you a suppressor. Right. Yeah. And I I think it's really interesting that Illinois, California and New York are not the lowest crime rates states. Right. They actually have some of the highest crime rates in the whole country. And they have the most strict gun laws. <laughs> so yep. It's a really interesting phenomenon. It's almost like additional infringement and uh, laws don't actually stop criminals from committing crimes. Right. Um, suppressors are not often used in crimes, obviously. He is a person who has already done those background checks and already done that screening and, you know, done everything legally. Is not generally just changing their mind one day and becoming a, a a killer, right, and so I can't really explain that other than fear, I suppose you know,
0: yeah, and I think more to to your point and John, it is the understanding of how much culture affects what we have to deal with as individual gun owners we have to understand that we are not simply fighting a fight for our constitutionally protected rights on the governmental regulatory level. We're also having to ensure our rights on the cultural level and to not make our voice be known, to not stand up for it, to not ensure that uh, guns are portrayed the way that they should be in movies by making um by making it so easy for them to escape the realities of firearms, whether they are on set and using them very improperly, as in the case with the the Alec Baldwin uh shooting, or on the other end, just like a James Bond movie where a suppressor makes the the firearm completely silent. Like those things are conversations that we have to bring up so that we can start on the cultural battle that plays so much into how the second amendment is perceived for people that aren't in the
1: community. Right. Now, um, I, if I have a suppressor and I want to, cause we talked about this before the show and I'm traveling with such suppressor, what does, uh, What's kind of like the thing that goes around traveling with a suppressor or any NFA item? Well, I've
2: got a couple suppressors. Just right? a few. I've got a few. And <laughs> I almost had to empty like one third of my safe to come here. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the thing with traveling with suppressors and traveling with firearms. You know, they don't want the possibility of a firearm discharging in your luggage. Right. Which is totally normal. That's why you can't have a loaded magazine inside of your weapon while you're in a plane, which I get. Suppressors, though. Um, <laughs> when I was flying out to a SHOT Show a few years ago, I went up to the counter and I said, hey, I have a firearm to declare. And I had this exact case with me. And she said, uh, how many do you have? And I was like, uh, maybe 27. She said, you can't have 27 firearms on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> And she says, uh, let me see it. I open up the case, and she said, where's the firearm? And I said, these are all firearms. The ATF says these are firearms. And uh, she says, well, there's no trigger. There's no powder. There's no bullet. There's no primer. Like, there's no way to shoot someone with these without adding a firearm. I was like, I understand that. And if you could just put that in writing for me, that'd be great. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well-
1: I love traveling with guns. You know, the uh, I've got two good TSA stories. So this time going through TSA, they went through all my stuff, like everything. They took my lighter, which was in my check bag. I was like, what the heck? But uh, we were in Charlotte and uh, we went up to the counter and we had a case of guns that we were checking in. And the lady goes, okay, we're like, hey, we've got guns to check, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the lady comes up and yells from the other side of the counter and goes, are those the guys with the guns in the airport? <laughs> and, and I was with, uh, you know, Kurt was there and the lady behind him was like, uh, excuse me? He goes, I work for a firearms company. Uh, this is what's going on. I've had that. I've had TSA call me on while I'm getting on the plane and go, hey, we need the combination to your lock. I'm like, I'm on the plane. Like, you guys should have checked this before right. I got on the plane. It's just goofy how TSA, like, it's this big disconnect between TSA, and I heard it this time when I was uh, leaving Phoenix, is that not all, they're all supposed to be doing the same thing, but not all of them do. And mm-hmm. that's just baffling. I yeah. think
0: it's a lack of education for a lot of people, too. Yeah. Um, And, again, that kind of goes back to the cultural thing. If firearms education isn't a part of the American culture. It, it affects every gun owner, whether it is going through TSA or just everyday life and conversation where someone freaks out because someone's open carrying or, um, all of the things that kind of come with the stigma of owning firearms, which there shouldn't be any stigma at all to that. Right. Um, and I think if we're not to veer too far off topic of suppressors i think that's why the biden administration's attack on removing hunter's education and gun safety from schools was so targeted because they understand that if that exists at some level those kids are going to understand oh i have a right to a firearm and i can get comfortable with a firearm because I I know basic gun safety. I know basic, you know what the the tools that are taught in hunter safety courses. And if they can remove that from the schools, it they're they're eliminating a layer of that on ramp into the Second Amendment community. And so I think it's it's a indicative upon us as individual gun owners. To make sure that things like that don't go unchecked, that they don't go um, where you're like, well, I'm not a hunter. I'm not, I don't have kids in school. This doesn't affect me. No, no, no. What is it doing to the 2A community long term? Because these kind of attacks are targeted attacks, whether they directly affect you or they don't.
2: Right. Well, the real question is if, you know, that's not an option, right? And we just remove all firearms training and, you know, no no one under 18 gets any kind of exposure to firearms, right? In a uh, safe and effective manner. That means that their firearms training and knowledge and experience is all in Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty and you know what I mean? And that's that's not accurate. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so if that's all you know is um, Grand Theft Auto, you know, flipping over cop cars and, you know, getting points for shooting people in the head, I mean, it's not, that's terrible, right? It's a terrible thing for the Second Amendment and for long-term, you know, long-term health of our nation, right? If you really want to lower the, the violence in the U.S., you know, over the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years, I would imagine all of that, you know, safe firearms training being uh, a lot stronger. You know what I mean? Um, it always blows my mind that, uh, you know, a lot more firearms owners, right? A lot more legislators that actually shoot firearms are not the ones that are, you know, directly involved with the sponsoring of, you know, gun control, because we went through a, uh, a whole time with abortion, right? You remember during abortion, they were saying, oh, all these old white men are making decisions on women's bodies, right? And there was a lot of people upset about that. And then you look at the firearms and you're like, wait a minute. These guys trying to make decisions on firearms and pistol braces and whatever, they are not gun owners. They are not guys shooting. And they have no idea what they're talking about either. And so it just blows my mind a little bit if you think about that, like, duality of saying that, you know, old white men shouldn't make abortion decisions. And then you look at firearms and you say, well, let's have all of the anti-gunners sponsoring and pushing all of this legislation.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that you brought up, like, the no firearms training until you're 18, so on and so forth. Being someone who worked at a range at one point and talking to a lot of range people, when foreign foreigners come in or tourists come in from other countries, they come in and they want to shoot stuff because they can't do it at home. And they are the ones who are doing the things they see because all they've seen it in is Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty. And you see them like they go on the range and do goofy stuff and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's take an hour or two. And kind of teach you this gun safety stuff and how to do it properly. And they always come out with a big smile on their face, having fun. But they don't, that's how they learn. Because they don't have it in their country. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot with Australians. I've seen it a lot with uh, people from China and other things. Where they come in because they don't have the Second Amendment in their country. But they want to like enjoy that freedom that we have. And they get to go do that here. Which is, I think, pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Now you brought up Washington, and I'm going to pass this to Kaylee because she's way up to date on this. This, this so we had this Hearing Protection Act go in. Now we have the Shush Act. So can you Kayleigh, can you give like a brief history summary on this? I'm throwing <laughs> you on the spot here.
0: Thanks for putting me on the spot. You're um <laughs> So yeah, um, we've got um, multiple iterations of bills that have been introduced to help get suppressors out of the nfa um the last congress we had the hearing protection act and that was uh, a goa-backed bill it was introduced in the house i believe by south carolina representative duncan and then on the senate side um it was um uh the i think idaho uh senator crapo
2: yeah
0: um and so um those guys kind of have reinvigorated the the charge to get suppressors out of uh, the NFA. This Congress, it came as a different bill. And that bill was introduced by uh, Senator Mike Lee and uh, Representative out of Virginia Good. Um, and he uh, they've kind of come together and they have uh, named their bill. The SHUSH Act, which is the uh, Saving Hearing Something, uh, mm-hmm. forget the acronym. Where's for Mike it. Lee
1: out of? Is it Tennessee?
0: No, Mike Lee is out of Utah, which is That's a perfect. huge uh, suppressor state. Um, I think so is Idaho. So we've got some yeah. some good people that are introducing these bills. Now, I know what everyone says when we work to get these bills introduced especially in an administration that is as hostile as uh, the Biden administration is to gun owners. And I know we go into this a lot, but I think it's important that people understand there is a long game here. And there is also simultaneously um, a a legal precedent as well, where you need to look back and, and show that this is something that the American people want. So from the political side of things, if you can't get good people to introduce bills when there's no chance of it passing and it's not on the docket and it's not something that they're signing their name to and it's not something that they're going back and knocking down doors in their party and say, hey, like when we get to govern, this is what we absolutely have to do for the American people. When it comes to the time that that the pro-gun advocates and the pro-gun members of Congress and a pro-gun president get into office, there's no chance of it going anywhere because the priority wasn't set ahead of time. There's not been a coalition building to get something across the finish line. And so people call us crazy when we support things like the Hearing Protection Act, like the SHUSH Act like the Shall Not Be Infringed Act and the Right to Keep and Bear Arm Act, all of these phenomenal um, pieces of legislation that go to restore people's rights because they throw up their hands and they're like, what are you doing? Well, why do I want to send an email to my representative on this? Why do I want to call my senator or my representative and say, hey, like, this is important to me? And it's because you're building a groundswell and you're moving the needle so that when we are in a position of strength. We have what it takes to get it across the finish line. And we have seen such a movement take place across the country. If you look at what has happened with constitutional carry and how long of a movement that's been from, I won't count Vermont just because Vermont is amazing and like instill constitutional carry. Like, in their founding, and so they are definitely the original. But if you even go back to Alaska, and when they passed their, what was called at the time, Vermont carry, to now you're seeing constitutional carry, where in 2023, we saw, what was it, Nebraska, Florida, and Alabama's permitless carry laws go into effect. Like, that's a groundswell that has taken a significant amount of time. But it's something that's happened state by state by state. But what are those states sending the message to the federal government and to their representatives? That people care about their Second Amendment right tremendously. That there is a groundswell for their Second Amendment rights. And if we want to get suppressors out of the NFA, which we do, if we want to dismantle the NFA in its entirety, which we do, those things have to happen to show... Like this is what the American people want. And if you're going to represent us, you're going to have to stand up for our constitutionally protected rights. I'll get off my soapbox
1: sure. now. No. I and mean, I think that's great because what happens is as as the general public, most of the time we hear these things go through and we like you said, well, why does this affect me? What do we do? It's it's been going since 2017. Start contacting your your representatives. Start getting it in their head. The more people that contact the representatives, the more that it gets in their head, you know, the more that they're going to go, okay, we need to form this coalition because this is what my, the people I represent want. And if you're in those districts where the, the senators and the congressmen who introduced these bills, call them. Say, thank you.
0: Yes, Let's absolutely. Let's push.
1: Let's go. Hashtag repeal the NFA.
0: <laughs> and and beyond that, you'll never underestimate the power of attendance. Right? Respectfully, and this is the key, right? No one wants to go to an event and get screamed out by screamed at, right? So there is a respectful aspect of this. And I think that's a key component. But you're at a time where especially um, for, you know, house races, many Senate seats where it's coming up on election season and you're going to be seeing a lot more opportunities to go to meet and greets, to go to, um, events where your rep is attending, ask them, ask them, Hey, why haven't you co-sponsored or thank them for co-sponsoring? You know, those are the things that you can do. And yes, it can be inconvenient. And yes, not everyone can do it. But when you respectfully go up to them and say, listen, this is something that's OSHA endorsed. This is something that not only protects my hearing, but if you're a hunter, let's talk about suppressors and hunting for a bit. Granted, if there's more restrictions than it is for just owning a suppressor um, in many states. But the, the noise pollution for the environment is better. And you can advocate for all of these things as an individual. And maybe you, being their constituent, can bring them closer on this issue than they would have ever been without you taking that step. It all comes down to personal responsibility. So
1: mm-hmm. if they want to contact Kaylee, what is the best way for them to contact their representative? If for those who may not understand, what's the best way to do it?
0: So, yeah, there's a few ways to do it. The The easiest, simplest way to do it is to go to gunowners.org. There is a—it'll it, have federal alerts up on the screen. Click it. You'll see every single bill that we're monitoring. And you can send an email to your representative on anything that's on that list, Right. Which is so important. And once you do it once, you'll realize it takes you about 45 seconds mm-hmm. unless you want to add your own, you know, meat to the to the email. The other way is uh, just pick up the phone and call and leave a message. Like, it might sound crazy, but it makes such a difference. We've seen it work time and time again.
2: Yeah, I've I've seen the website utility that you're talking about, and it auto-populates, you know, based on your zip code. It says, oh, this is your rep, this is your rep. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible. Um, I'd be really interested to know how many of our congressmen, you know, believe a lot of those myths that we were talking about earlier. You yeah. Know, I'm sure a lot of them. I'm sure if you took a poll of Congress and said, are suppressors illegal? You know, it'd be really interesting to see what kind of results you'd get. Yeah. You know? Because a lot of them are... Not gun owners, sure, you know, a lot of them don't care about firearms and don't care about the additional infringements. But I feel like, you know, I feel like a lot of the traction that the Hearing Protection Act and a lot of these bills are losing is because they then get coupled with other things. And they're like, oh, well, you know, that sounds great, but we need to add, you know, this kickback to agricultural society or whatever the hell they put in there. And then all of a sudden it doesn't pass because of all of the fat that is in there. Right. And it blows my mind a little bit. You know, you would think that Congress would be like, Hey, this is a bill. Let's talk about this. No. Okay. And then move on. And Hey, this is the agricultural bill. We're going to talk about this, but no, what they do is this little shell game where they'll pair all of these things together and they say you either pass this or it's rejected. And so that's like at the core one of the biggest problems i see in pushing legislation forward is all of the things all of like the all of the like the the kickbacks and the 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 things that are bundled with these bills together, right? I'm sure that that hearing protection act was like 10,000 pages. Yeah, right. to, to
0: restore twenty-seven words, right? And that's right. the that's the crazy part. Yeah, I mean, there's they try to hide gun control everywhere that they can, right? right? Um, Health
2: bills, right? GOA.
0: You know, gosh, bragging on our um, legal team and our um, federal affairs team for a minute wouldn't want to do their job ever, um, just because you know they're having to read things like the the national defense authorization act which is the ndaa that comes up uh quite frequently and they'll be hidden gun control in in the the defense authorization act oh yeah almost always oh yeah and so they're constantly having to read everything to make sure that we're alerting our members and that we can fight against things that often could fly under the radar and so um you know applause applause for our people because I
2: I don't want to read all that.
1: <laughs> Me neither. <laughs>
2: but but yeah, I mean, like, just the way that they're operating in that capacity, I think it's doing the American people a disservice, right? When you aren't actually voting on that act, you're voting on all of the things that you want. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it blows my mind.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, they put so many words in it when very few words would do trick. It would work well. <laughs>
2: Shall not be infringed.
1: Shall not be infringed. Right there. <laughs> right. Shall not be infringed. Right. Okay. Oh, can, can we understand, we understand that? that?
2: Keeping bare arms. Right. Uh, you know, the ATF says this is a firearm, so therefore it should not be, you know, restricted. I mean, it's <laughs> if I can it, go into the if I can go into a gun shop and buy a set of ear pro to protect my hearing, I should be able to go and buy a suppressor to protect the hearing of everyone else around me. You yeah. Know?
1: Well, and and it's because. Let's let's go back to the root of all this. The NFA, it's the NFA is two hundred dollars, and it's been two hundred dollars since nineteen thirty four, right? And if you look at it, if it were to continue on with everything else that that has gone up in pr- value and price and over the years, that tax technically should be like two thousand dollars or whatever I mean, it is. Five thousand I mean, dollars. Five thousand yeah. dollars. The reason why it's two hundred dollars is because that's how much a Thompson submachine gun cost back in the day. So $200, you got to pay a $200 tax. So that's the same price. And we're seeing this again with this proposed thousand percent excise tax. And we're seeing this with the proposed that you have to be an FFL to sell your own thing, which would, or your own guns. Cause you're making a profit. They just want to go after, you know, the working class. And we see this like the, the brace band and everything. How many people, Have they affected not only on this war on plastic, which we Kaylee coined the term and love that term, but now they're also it's the war at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. It really is. They're taking away pieces of our industry. They're taking away things. They're trying to hurt us, not only by taking away our rights, but hit us in our pocketbooks.
0: Yeah, it's pricing people out of their rights, and you know, thankfully, the thousand percent excise tax tax is not something that. Is going to get passed, um, but and this is why the no compromise approach matters, and why GOA is no compromise, is we don't want them to say, okay, well, a thousand percent was too much, but you know we'll go down to a hundred percent, and that be brought out as well. That was a win, right? Because they wanted this, but wait a second, what what did gun owners win in that deal? No, uh, no, 100%, a hundred percent. What? But that that is how. So often things are brought up as well, they wanted this and we, we we settled here, you know, and and what's insane is what you've done is you've made no party happy. Right. Because on on one side of it, you have the anti gun left that's like, but we wanted a thousand percent. And <laughs> you know, it's sure. it's that, you know. Like we didn't get everything we want, but we'll get more next time. And, you know, like they're advancing their cause and they're like, you know, calling their reps. And they're like, you know, why didn't you settle for like 101? Like, you know, they're always wanting more of the pie. But on the other side, you have to look at where the Second Amendment's at. And they're now you're going as a gun owner and you're like, oh, wait. Yeah, we didn't get the thousand percent tax. But what the heck? Do you realize what you've done? You've weakened everyone's ability. And and thankfully, you know, that's not something that we're seeing in this bill. But that's why. And, and so often we get this question. Well, why no compromise? Why? And And that's why. Mm-hmm. It's because every time we compromise, the only thing we're doing is weakening our position. Yeah. The only thing we're doing is saying those 27 words pinned by our founders that protect the right that is the government didn't grant that right that is a natural right and that natural right is now weakened because because we allowed the compromise.
1: Well look at New York and California. You shoot a ton. Yeah you shoot a ton you order ammo online it gets straight to your house right mm-hmm. if you if you do go that route. If you order ammo online in California or New York, it's gotta go to an FFL. Then you pay a background check fee. Then you right. pay this fee and this tax yeah. and that tax.
2: They have a tax per
1: bullet. Yeah. <laughs> and you're you're getting priced out. So you buy a box of nine mil for ten, eleven, twelve bucks, thirteen, whatever it is. Yeah, ten bucks, you're doubling your price. So why you know you end up buying in bulk, which is what you should do, and <laughs> But then you're adding all all these added fees, and they're pricing people out because they don't want them to have these rights. And
0: yeah, I mean it's the uh, oh goodness, I'm gonna blank on a state. Is it Illinois that has the FOID card where you have to have uh,
1: Illinois has FOID card. New Jersey has something similar to the. FOID. It's not called FOID in Jersey. It's something else. Uh, Massachusetts has a firearm. New York's got a card too. Yeah, I mean,
0: those are just—it's insane. It's additional insane.
2: infringement.
0: It's additional mm-hmm. infringement, and then ultimately, again, it's—it's it's making what they know to be the biggest, the biggest issue, and the the best way for them to win is for people not to join the Second Amendment community. Because once you join, you find a welcoming community. Once you join, you understand that you have the ability to protect yourself. Once you join, you're more likely to go and get training and purchase additional firearms. And you're most likely going to be a gun owner for life. Mm -hmm. And that scares them. And so what they're doing is they're making that on-ramp into the Second Amendment community much harder. And it's why they've gone after Hunter Education and School. It's why they're adding all of these different layers of infringement, is because we know at our core as Americans that we have the right to defend ourselves. And they put off even recognizing that as a government until 2008 with the DC v. Heller case. And so, you know, it's so important that we talk about these things and that there's education involved so that we don't let this happen in more states and we stand up and hopefully repeal some of these infringement measures even in the difficult territories
1: well i mean we saw it with the assault weapons ban the 94 ban that sunsetted we've seen it with the 68 gun control act we see it with the uh, what is it, 86? 86. Yeah. 86, when you... Shoot. Like, we're seeing this all the time, and it's we're seeing all the gun control in all these different states, and it doesn't work. I mean, I saw this funny stat yesterday. Um, Mexico has one gun store in all of Mexico. It is on a military base in Mexico City. They have more guns in Mexico than in the U S and they have more gun violence, but they have one gun store and it all these loopholes to go through to get it. Criminals are going to get guns no matter what, mm-hmm. or, you know, the ATF will just give them to them, you know, you right. see that fast
2: and furious, <laughs> fast
1: and furious, <laughs> but we see that and clearly if it's not working, we've seen it in Canada where they've ban handguns, the, the silent majority is not, not going to put up with this anymore. And we're mm-hmm. seeing that kind of movement. And poor Kevin over here is like, I just want to talk about suppressors. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: I mean, I did a paper on England, right, and London, yeah. and how their firearms, you know, their handgun ban, right, it pushed gun violence to the outskirts of the city. And they're like, well, we, we won because we moved the violence. Right? We've moved guns out of the city. And it's like, no, you didn't really win. You disarmed people that are obeying the law, and now the only people that live in the city that have firearms are criminals. Those aren't the ones you want to have firearms. I mean, they're and, going
1: around with knife drop boxes. Right. And But you can't have a butter knife. Like, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: It's Wild. Uh. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess on the bright side for you guys, they are good on suppressors. Yeah.
1: <laughs> mm. Good, uh,
2: good-ish I think everything that's wrapped up In the process of getting a suppressor Is designed to discourage ownership of them yeah. right, And to make them a scary Assassin's weapon
1: well, I think it's You brought up earlier That you know how many congressmen Believe these myths So what I encourage everybody to do Is go to, to GSL's website Find that article And send it to your congressman
2: Yeah gsltechnology.com yeah. Right right at the bottom has that 10 most common suppressor myths and you could copy the text from it and push that in, you know, that utility, right. That's on the, on your website Yep, and it'd be really
1: simple. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. <laughs> let them,
1: let them read it. Let them go through and understand that these are just myths. I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> Obviously this has been a phenomenal conversation. We got off on some tangents, but you know, when do we not? Um, so I just want to thank you again for, for joining us on this episode. It's been incredibly exciting for everyone that is listening to this podcast. Where can they find you? How can they follow you guys? And, um, any last things that you want to say?
2: Well, thank you so much for having me on here. Right. I've got a link tree set up with all of our YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and everything. It's at, uh, bit.ly slash G S L links, L I N K S. And that has all the social channels and everything. And so, I'm just, you know, really happy to be here. Thank you so much for your time, guys.
1: Yeah, well, before you go, God, I always ask, because this episode's going to air in December. Uh, there's this big event in January <laughs> coming up uh, in Vegas, maybe. Uh Anything, anything you'd like to tease or say? or
2: uh, We might possibly have a couple new suppressors being released at SHOT Show. A couple that are using some new um, baffle design technology, some incredible sound reduction. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Check us out at SHOT Show. I'll be there. We'll see you guys.
1: Yeah, If you're at SHOT Show or any of the uh, multiple suppressor events now being held around the country, uh, definitely go stop by and say hi. Yep.
2: Thank Um, you so much, guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you.